Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tree City Sports Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Baker, as here as usual with my co-host, Graham Moen. How's it going, Graham? I'm doing great. We're talking NBA today. We're talking about the best, honestly, probably the best part of the NBA season, the offseason. Yeah, we're also going to talk about the real best part of the NBA season, which was the finals. Hey. I'm not one of those freaking people that acts like the free agency is better than the actual games. No, I mean, I loved I loved these finals It's better this year. than Cavs games. I'll give you that. Yeah, the finals are – I mean, the for me, free agency is just that, t- is that time of uncertainty. It's kind of like that kid on Christmas Day. Like, you never know what you're going to get. And then you open the box and you get maybe Jimmy Butler or something like that. I mean, we'll get into that. But, yeah, we have to talk about the Warriors-Raptors series because – when we were watching it together, it was just unbelievable to see both some of the bad luck that went the way of the Warriors, the good luck that went the way of the Raptors, but also overall just how the Raptors played in the in the last two games. They had some ups and downs, but I think they were, I think it's really amazing to see what happened throughout the series as the Raptors won their first NBA championship. Hey, congratulations, Canada. You know, I mean, they... Masai Ujiri's got some big balls, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. He pulled off the Kawhi trade, he took the risk, and it his return to championship to Toronto for the first time ever. And, you know, I think these teams are kind of complete opposite in terms of how you build a roster. Yeah. Where, I mean, Golden State has, you know, they've got their, their big three, plus Kevin Durant made it a big four, and they added DeMarcus Cousins, but... At this point, aside from Andre Iguodala, who is aging, they don't really have much left on their roster. I mean, we've seen that Sean Livingston's no longer himself. We've seen guys like Alfonso McKinney and Jordan Bell are <laughs> not not really ready for this moment. Yeah. And you look at Toronto and you've got Kawhi and you're wondering, are they going to have enough punch from around their roster to you know score enough points consistently? And it turns out that, A... Kyle Lowry, playoff Lowry is no longer an insult. I think this has been the capper. I think Kyle Irving. I think yeah, Kyle Irving. <laughs> I think that this playoff run, but especially these finals, I think have done more for Kyle Lowry's career than for anyone else, almost anyone else that I can remember. I mean, you you'll always have like the one-off championships like the 16 Cavs. 04 Pistons. The 11 Mavericks. Yeah, and this and this could well be a one-off championship depending on what happens with Kawhi, which we can discuss later. Mm-hmm. But a guy like Kyle Lowry, who's been you know kind of a playoff disappointment for a lot of times in his career, ultimately it was just because the team wasn't good enough to beat LeBron, and I don't know, that's not really his fault. Let's be fair; he disappeared in a lot of games. He did during those times as but well. But this redefines his career. I mean, especially that, that that game five. I mean, he was incredible. Yeah, I mean Kyle Lowry. Played some of the game best six. basketball. I'm sorry, it was game yeah. six. Kyle Lowry in State. played some of the best basketball I've ever seen him play. Even in the games where he wasn't scoring, you felt his impact on the floor. The way he took those fouls sometimes, and he got into foul trouble a decent amount during the series. But he played so tough and physical. He was able to help Van Vliet with uh, Steph Curry and chasing those guys off. You're usually going to get burned in lineups where you play two smaller guys, and they played a lot of the games with Lowry and Van Vliet on the floor together. So they started the second half with those guys a lot. Yeah, and that and when you're undersized like that against a team like the Warriors, who does have a lot of bigger guys, like I mean, Curry's the smallest starter they usually play, and he's six four. So I mean, that that length could be a problem for some guys, especially guys that you know we haven't seen excel in the brightest spotlight. And we'll talk about Fred Van Vliet Van Vliet in a minute, but obviously we have to talk about Kyle Lowry first, just because 
he went from in a year being from seen as kind of the scapegoat of that team because DeMar DeRozan showed up in a lot of those games and just Lowry disappeared. And then he went from this year to, like you said, in the clinching game in the first half, he looked like he looked like one of the best, probably the best point guard in the league. Yeah, like he, he was out playing Steph like severely yep. the entire game, like pretty much the entire game, even when he stopped scoring, because his rebounding from a guard position, unbelievable. His assist, he was making some plays I haven't seen him make. Well, he's always been one of those guys that does all the small things that the NBA nerds absolutely love. Yeah. But, I mean, he came out in game six, and it's just – He was I mean, just hitting every shot. The first quarter, he was the team's entire offense. Yeah. But, and that's that's my point about – you mentioned Van Vliet, who went from a guy who I liked as a bench scorer to apparently, like, locking down Steph Curry. I don't – Delhi 2.0. Yeah, seriously. And – He's a legend now, too, and this is what happens mm-hmm. when you become a champion, especially when you become a champion of a team that wasn't necessarily expected to win the title. But you look at the Raptors roster, and you've got Pascal Siakam, who had some great games and some pretty mediocre games. And you look at Marcus Gasol, who had some great games and some pretty mediocre teams. Mm-hmm. But the point is, the Raptors had a legit full-fledged rotation where every guy playing, you're not saying sitting there telling yourself, like, oh, man. He really shouldn't be on the floor right now, but they yeah. got to try and buy a couple minutes for Kawhi. They mm-hmm. had, you know, Kawhi had a great series and he deservedly won finals MVP, but I, Kawhi didn't really have a series where he went out there and absolutely dominated and you're sitting there thinking that he carried the team and is having one of the greatest runs ever. And I think this run, the whole playoff run was incredible for Kawhi. And I think he's deservedly mentioned among the top three players in the NBA now, which I don't, I, I understand that, he had some injuries, but he's always been that the last yeah, few years. I don't think people people forgot just how dominant he oh, was. Yeah. But like, because that's yeah. that, the year he got hurt against the Warriors, they were cooking the Warriors, and yep. he was cooking the Warriors. It was he, only one game, but yes. It was a couple games, I think. Yeah. They were up 2 0 at one point. But I mean, obviously, Kawhi had a really good series, but I think I have to bring up Fed, Fred Van Vliet real quick just because of how, specifically in game six, he scored 12 points in the third quarter. He's kind of like their J.R. Smith was for the Cavs yeah. because he just hits. Ridiculous shots. And he was, and I think the biggest, I think, redemption story of this playoffs was, along with Larry, was him as well. He was playing horribly early in the playoffs to the point where you didn't know if you could play him. And then he switched it on in that second half of the Milwaukee series. And since then, he was playing as one of the best point guards in the in these playoffs. I don't think you can deny that, the way his defense was, the way he made the smart plays, but also he was aggressive getting to the hole. And his three-point shot was, was going down. And when he was playing at that level, he wasn't just a guy on the floor defending hassling Steph Curry he was making real impacts on the game on both sides of the floor yeah I think that's you know the Raptors had a guy like Van Vliet off the bench and the Raptors did not and I think I think even I think the Warriors if you're sitting here and you're the Warriors you're still going to take you know Curry Clay Thompson KD and Draymond Green over the alternative right but if you have an injury or in this case two major injuries with Durant and with Clay Thompson, you know, you are going to be limited in how the rest of your roster is filled out. The Warriors, when they started this title, you know, kind of, I'm not going to call it dynasty because quite, quite frankly, I don't think three titles in four years is a dynasty when you haven't proven, you know, they can win more without Durant, which we'll, we'll see, but yeah. I, I doubt it. But I mean, they were one and two in finals without Durant. Yeah. And again, well, I'm not going to do the whole, we can, we can do the, we can talk about Golden State legacy because it's, a, it's, Almost an unavoidable topic. 
But the point, saying, the point this is, this team this year yes. could not have competed without Kevin Durant. And as yes. soon as he went down, they still had a chance with Clay Thompson, and yes. who was arguably their best player throughout the finals. And then he, oh, got definitely, hurt. Yeah, yeah, not arguably, definitely. And then yeah. he got hurt. So well, and and again, it shows that Stephen Curry is not a guy that can absolutely carry a team. And that's that's not to say that Steph Curry is not a great player. And I'm not going to sit here and rip Steph Curry, but when he had to, especially in that game six at home when Clay was out and when Durant was out, he was really not great. And I think this whole series, you know, he got a lot of, you know, kind of little BS little foul calls and he went to the line a lot. But yeah. aside from his free throw shooting in this series, he didn't really have a, a big impact in this series. And the Warriors are absolutely not in a position to win if he doesn't when KD is not out there. And that's the thing that Toronto had and Golden State didn't. And even you remember in, in the big three area for Golden State when it was just Steph, Clay, and Draymond, you know, Iguodala was, you know, a lot better than he is now. A lot Their more bench physically was capable. better. Sean Livingston was a good player. David West was there. Leandro Barbosa. Harrison Barnes. Harrison Barnes. And, and now you're looking... a deep team. And now you're looking kind of a husk of a team. Um, but that said, Golden State's still a great team. Yeah. And Toronto didn't win this series kind of by default by any means. No. Toronto ha- was, I think, probably since the 2011 Mavs, the team that played you know, that the best team that played that kind of style of, you know, teamwork and everyone contributes and there's depth and talent around the roster because we've seen get your start the the Cavs, the Cavs did that to a degree as well, but you're seeing Golden State, you're seeing the Miami Heat, um, you know, those teams won with superstar high-end talent. And I guess we should mention the Spurs as well in in 2014. Well, just their entire dynasty. Yeah. But, you know, it's just kind of – it was really enjoyable, at least for me, not just because I don't love the Warriors, but just to see a team that kind of played with that style, seeing a different guy contribute every night. Where one night Van Vliet goes off, one night it's Lowry, one night it's Siakam. It's just really fun to watch that because it's a lot more high variance night to night on what you're going to see on the court. You know what I mean? No, I, to- I totally agree. I think this Raptors team was so fun to watch. I think, honestly, the, the best part about watching these games for me was watching how active and how physical they were on defense. They were just swarming around everything. Like, all those plays we've seen the Warriors run for years, yeah. like those little curls for both the shooters, they sniffed those out. And it's and when Cur- and Curry, to Curry's thing, he had a chance to win the game because the Raptors almost threw away game six as well. Yep. They, it was 111-110. They were trying to dribble the clock out. Draymond forces a turnover by Danny Green and they get an open shot for him to win the finals or to win game six and force a game seven, which yep. was improbable thinking we just saw Clay Thompson tear his ACL. And then a couple nights before that, we saw Kevin Durant tear his Achilles. Yeah. It's, it's amazing to see that they were going to be that close and he bricked it and he wasn't even close. Well, and he was wide open too. And yeah. St- and Steve it was Kerr, the same shot as Kyrie. I yeah. saw a thing. It was the same shot as the 2016 final that Kyrie Except made. even more open probably. Yeah. yeah. Kyrie took that as basically a, isolated jumper with within someone's face he had a moving play he had a wide open shot and he missed it and I don't think it redefines Steph Curry's career that he lost this series and wasn't able to win it without some of the best players around him but I do think that it's it confirms what I've always thought like I said you know it's and that's okay that Steph Curry can't absolutely carry a team I mean the Raptors were a truly great team and the Warriors didn't lose to a mediocre team just because they didn't play well or had injuries the Raptors were great Truly great. And honestly, this was a, a fantastic series from game one. And yeah. it was a really well played series. You know, I, it's just it's just a reminder of 
how great the NBA can really be on its biggest stage if things go right. Yeah. And I think if Clay Thompson would have been healthy the rest of Game Six, I think they would have won it. If they would have won and played Game Seven, it would have been even greater. Yeah, that's true. And it's a shame that Clay Thompson got hurt, and I wish he wouldn't have. And uh, you know, because that would have really been Clay Thompson, like you you had mentioned, you know, was having truly uh, an incredible series. I think he he was was breaking out. I think people he was he was definitely definitely better than Steph Curry in this because we talked about it on he was their best player for sure. We talked about in the last podcast how me and Andrew kind of disagreed about how people view Clay Thompson in the NBA nowadays, because there was the luxury of having a Kevin Durant and a Steph Curry and a Draymond with him. So people, I said, I said, people kind of forget how good he was. Whereas Andrew's like, you know, I don't think people forget. I think they're just in their perfect roles without having Kevin Durant on the floor. You saw just how lethal Clay Thompson is because not only, because he's there, he's six, seven. So he's able to shoot over pretty much anybody. He's a good, he's almost as good of a three point shooter as, Steph Curry is, if yeah. not equal to him, I, he's probably he's probably better off the off the dribble, honestly. And he was doing he was getting to the hole, and at the same time, he also was playing elite perimeter defense. Yeah, so he was doing a lot of things to help this team just stay in that game. Without him in that game, they had no chance. He was going absolutely off. It felt like one of those games, and I kind of said this to our friend uh, Ballway when we were talking at halftime. Like, I think Clay might get forty tonight. Yeah, like he was going absolutely and off, and that's what makes his injury an even bigger shame. Durant's injury yeah. was more of a, you know, we he Durant was an unknown. Soon. Well, he came back too soon. He played too many minutes. He played too intense. Whatever it was, I don't think any of us necessarily can sit here and say exactly why he got hurt. But the point is, we didn't know exactly what we we're going to get from KD. He was a wild card. Clay was not a wild card. He was their best player the whole series, and you know, kind of a fluke freak injury took him out, and that that's really unfortunate. But yeah. Regardless, I think that regardless, it's incredible series by the Raptors. I mean, just yeah, incredible, really. So, congrats. I think that brings us into our next point really well, which is just talking about you know what's going to happen now with these teams now that the finals is over and now that the off season is here and both teams have some questions going on with them. Yeah, I mean, for the Raptors, the question is pretty much: Is Kawhi coming back or not? If yeah, he, if he comes back, you're bringing everybody back, and it's basically all or nothing. You're and they're probably if if he comes back, I would assume that they're probably title favorites. Yeah, I would say so. I too. would say I would make them my title. I mean, it's favorite. the same team pl- plus adding OG and Anobi back to the lineup, another yeah. versatile defender True. that's a good three points shooter. Yeah, and there's a lot that's happening around the NBA, and a lot more that will happen that we can talk about later. But I think if he comes back, and if they'll bring back most of their team, if not all, yeah, and I think they'll be favorites again. Golden State is. A more fascinating topic because I mean, look, if Kawhi leaves Toronto, I think they probably got to do kind of like a not a, a total rebuild, but a retooling where maybe Kyle Lowry gets traded. They go younger, where it's just like Pascal right. and OG and Anobi and Van. Ibaka would probably be gone. Gasol yeah, would probably be gone. it'd be a full it'd be a full scale build with the young guys, but those young guys, at least three or four of them, have finals experience and know what it takes to win. So, and I think you see have a budding star in Pascal Siakam yeah. and OG Ananobi last year was playing very good basketball for the Raptors. He was probably one of their best players in the series against the Cavs. Yeah. So I think those type of players can, would definitely help soften the blow, but you're right. The future of the Raptors is really comes down to, does Kawhi stay in Toronto or does he want to go back to LA, which has been rumored? Yeah. And I have no idea where Kawhi is going to go. No. Um, but usually it's, it's fascinating because I mean, it's, it, is he really going to leave? A championship, literally a championship. That's what team. I'm saying. But I don't know. We'll see. He's and a weird I, I guy. I think the Raptors' plan is pretty clear. Whether he stays or goes, if he stays, they're bringing it back and going at it again. If he leaves, they retool. Yeah. The Warriors, 
have, I would say tougher decisions, but I think their decisions are pretty much all made for them. And I think you have to just figure out how they can build around their roster. Because look, obviously Steph's not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. I don't think Draymond's going anywhere. At least for the foreseeable future, yeah. I would be shocked if Clay goes anywhere. No, he's resigning. His injury's not nearly as severe as Kevin Durant's. Mm -hmm. And I I don't think he was ever really... It's never really been a question if he was going to leave. I think they've always said that the Lakers or other teams wanted to court him, but it, he's happy he's, where he's at. He's going to get the five years, one ninety, probably. So yeah. I think that's pretty much what you're going to get from there. I think, and his injury is not serious enough that no, you worry about him coming back from it. It's weird because years ago we used to think torn ACLs were the worst thing, but now with right. modern science, I mean, torn ACLs, you've seen players in multiple sports come back and be yeah. successful. And the way he plays, I don't think is going to be such a huge deal for him in terms of his injury. No. So I think he will come back and he'll still be as strong as he was. Next Our, year will be a question. Yeah. I mean, he's probably not going to play until maybe March yeah. at the earliest, maybe April. So if, if you're the Warriors and you have to make a, and you're trying to make a late playoff run, you might play him. But if you if it's not and it's not going well that year, maybe you just let him wait it out for the season. So the Durant thing is fascinating because yeah. the presumption has been for most people around the league that he was going to leave after they won the title this year. Well, a couple things happened. Number one, they didn't win the title. And, Suck it. And number two, <laughs> he blew out his Achilles. Yeah. And he has a player option that he could pick up. I'd be shocked if he does it just because I don't think that there's teams around the league that are going to hesitate to give him the max. Yeah. I mean, if you were going to give Kevin Durant the max before the Achilles injury, I don't think you're not going to give him the max now. Yeah. I no, think I don't know if he's – I don't know where he's going to play. If it's the Knicks or the Nets or some wild card – you know, I have no idea. But right. if you're the Warriors, I would still offer him the max. I think there's, if you can make yeah. the money work with those guys, I mean, still you you would have very little around them like we had this year. But what you and I both said it. If Durant was healthy, I don't think they're losing this series. I don't care how how many you know non role players they have. I I think they're winning the series if Kevin Durant's healthy. I mean, we saw when he was playing those 12 minutes that he was scoring at will, despite the fact that he couldn't really run. Yeah. He was shooting. And I think that's the biggest thing about him is that in terms of just him as a person, I think he is one of the few players that might actually be able to recover from an Achilles injury because his game was not predicated on elite, elite speed and elite quickness. Right. I think it was very dependent more on his shooting and his, his, and his dribbling ability and his handling. So that'll take a little bit of time for him, but as a straight up shooter, He's one of the best shooters in the NBA. Achilles or no Achilles, he can still, he shoot, can still threes, shoot threes, and he's still seven freaking feet tall. And he's a really good passer. And if he can get back to himself at least 80% of who he was as a defender and as a slasher to the rim, he's still one of the best five players in the league. And he's in his 30s. Yeah, he's going to be 32 by the time he plays another game. Again, so. you and I both agree, right? No question, you still max him, right? Yeah. I think Whether you're Golden State or any other team, correct? I think there's... Yeah, I agree. I think there's three yeah. scenarios for him. I think there's three different things that could play out. He can A, stay with Golden State and sign a five-year deal. I'd he be can, surprised. B, he can go to another team for a four-year deal and take a year off. Or C, the wild card, he could opt into his Warriors contract, rehab with them for a year, and then leave. Which, honestly, oh, I want it to be C. Please let it be C. Because it would be hilarious for him to be like, uh. oh, you guys – wanted me to play and then I tore my Achilles. Okay, well, I'm just going to take 31 million on your yeah. cap to do nothing. I don't think to give Draymond high fives. I think that <laughs> and I think for any other player you would say that it's probably too big a risk to turn down the max, but I think I mean what what possible scenario could happen other than getting hit by a train or something that would cause Kevin Durant to not get the max next year. Yeah. I understand the Achilles injuries are, you know, 
maybe the toughest injury to rehab from that yeah. you can get on a basketball court. But even – I mean, what's going to happen? Is his rehab not going to be going very well and teams going to make – I don't know. No, there's no chance. And I, I don't think he'll probably pick up that option, but that's, that's my favorite an incredible option. scenario because in that scenario, he spends one year making 30-some million dollars rehabbing his Achilles on the Warriors' dime, restricting their ability to fill out their roster and just – Basically, screwing it's basically the hell a giant them. fu to them because right. he's like, okay, you guys said you didn't need me all year. Then when you needed me, I came back, probably not yep. healthy, and because of that, I tore my Achilles. It would be incredible because so. it would they would have, like, and they couldn't say anything. They would about have it. like almost zero financial flexibility if it happened. So that'd be hilarious because it I'd would love be to fantastic. See it because then at that point, I don't even think they make the playoffs if they have to worry about that. So it's really interesting to find out what he's going to do. I personally think if I had to make a guess. I think he's probably going to leave. Well, I would guess as well. I'm not going to, I'll, I'm not going to say that yet because we probably are going to talk about it in a later podcast, but it's very interesting to see what Katie's future is going to be because yeah. he has, he still has full control despite tearing his Achilles. And Does, I think it's going to be definitely interesting that whatever team he goes to, they're going to have to be willing to take that year and kind of suck. So, I mean, that's I, why we've heard about yeah. a lot of those teams that have been mentioned, like the Knicks and the Nets and the, why golden state has kind of been thought of as a maybe, maybe not anymore. Well, and I think if he goes to the Nets, you know, he's sitting out a year with presumably Kyrie or whoever else playing. I think the Knicks would probably be the perfect scenario because he can go there. And they can tank again. They can tank again because he can't play. And give like but, R.J. Barrett a bunch of minutes. Right. But look, I the Warriors, whether Durant opts in or out, are not going to have a lot of flexibility. If he opts in. No, they're in the luxury If tanks. he opts in, it's like almost zero ability to do anything, which is awesome. Yeah. But if he opts out, they will have a little bit of room to kind of move their roster around, but they're, they don't really have assets left. Yeah, no, that's true. Steph Curry is still young enough. Clay Thompson is still young enough. And Draymond Green is still young enough, but they're getting there. Andre Iguodala is nearing the end. I mean, he was fantastic in game six, by the way. Yeah. He was vintage. He was vintage. He was incredible. And he's still a very solid player to have on your team. But the amount of minutes and mileage he can have put on him every year is getting smaller and smaller. Yeah, he gets hurt. Livingston may or may not retire. And if he doesn't, he's, he's terrible. He's really not much of a rotation player anymore. Yeah. And unless, you know, McKinney or any of the cook or Quinn, unless some of those guys take, take big step ups, you know, I don't know what the future is for the Warriors next year. I, depending on what happens in their future, I'm sure they'll, they'll have at least a couple kind of major additions in the future, but it's going to be pretty, pretty limited flexibility for them going forward. And they're going to be older and they're going to keep getting older. And you know, We'll see. Yeah. I, 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 if I had to bet over under the, the Warriors winning no titles or at least one title from here on out, I would bet none. But, yeah. but if they come back healthy in two years, they'll be in the conversation again without a doubt. Right. Yeah. I'd say early, I'd say for this next year, they're look at their lookouts probably trying to get between a six and an eight seed, which in the West is really close. So they're probably going to have to win about like 47, 48. They should games. give Steph a phantom ankle injury, send Draymond to rehab for a year and get Tank. a, get a top draft pick. And that's the last thing we need is yeah. for golden state to be relevant uh, again. So we can discuss the off season going forward. There's already been a major move forward made, which we can discuss yeah. and we'll have some kind of forward thinking topics as well. We'll be right back after this break. And we are back. So, Anthony Davis has finally been traded to the Lakers after yeah. like months of discussing the potential you know aspects of this trade, and after having him play in games for the Pelicans after he said he wanted to be traded. <sighs> yeah, after probably the most awkward thing ever. 
Um, so David Griffin is the head basketball guy in New Orleans now, and we know how great David Griffin is at his job. Oh, yeah. And, oh, boy, did he get a fat package for one year of Anthony Davis. Potentially. I mean, it's among the most we've ever seen given up for a player. Oh, yeah. No, it's definitely up there in terms of compensation. I mean, it was Brandon Ingram, who was the small forward they drafted number two overall. Brandon Ingram has had a solid first couple years in the league. Yeah. He He's a legitimate com- starting player. He like, has, I he think he has a medical condition they're somewhat worried about. Yeah. So that's something to it's be It's a little bit of a red concerned. flag, yeah. But um, then they got Lonzo Ball as well. Lonzo, Lonzo Ball Ball's was not bad. For In that draft, it was Fultz, Ball, and Tatum. And a lot of people thought that it was the right pick to take Ball over Tatum. And some people even thought he should go number one over Markel Fultz, who at the time was a can't-miss point guard prospect. So it, they got him, and then they got Josh Hart, who's a good role player. I think he'll be a good like combo guard for them off the bench. Yeah, And then you get not one, not two, but three guaranteed first-round picks, including the number four overall pick in this year's draft. And I think that the details of the first round picks are where you really see the value that New Orleans got. So they got the number four pick this year, which is solid value. It's considered to be a three person draft by some people, but yeah, led by Zion Darius Garland. A lot of people really like his number four and they think he's far and away the best guy available. He or whoever else is, it's still a valuable pick. Yeah. Um, They got, Another Lakers unprotected pick. So it, it's basically in 2023, in 2021, the Lakers draft pick, if it's not top eight, does not go to the Pelicans. So if the Lakers have tragic injuries in two years and are terrible, the Pelicans will get the top eight pick. No, this, I thought it was the other way around where it's top eight protected for the Lakers. No, it's top eight protected the other way. Oh, wow. That's how incredible this is. Yeah. So literally, if it's not a top eight pick, it doesn't go that year. And it would be the first round pick in 2022, which is the double draft, the double draft, which for people who don't know that that's this going to be in theory, the first year where high school players can enter the draft without having played. But there will also be players that have played in college for a year like that's been a, the one and done rule until until potentially 2022. Yes. So there could be a draft filled with five or six, seven high, really good high school players along with the same amount. Yep. So we could have a top 10 to, we could have a top 10 to even throughout the lottery of players that could be very good contributors on teams. Yeah. So basically the top 10 in 2022 would be something like the top five, you know, fifth. Yeah. Right. Any now. other year. Exactly. So not only do they have Ingram who looks like a solid NBA player. Yeah. Lonzo Ball, solid NBA player. Right. They got uh, the rotation player as well. Right. They got a top four pick this year. Yep. They've got a pick that's guaranteed to either be top eight or a first rounder in the double draft. Oh, yeah. And they got the Lakers unprotected pick in 2024. And LeBron is not on the team LeBron will be 40 years old, probably not playing for the Lakers. And if that's not good enough, they can defer that pick to 2025 if they want to. And then in 2023, they can pick swap, right? And and they got a pick swap that I forgot about in 2023, which, I mean. That's about as look, much as the. Look, yeah. three solid young players and three first round picks is a very good haul. Yeah. The, the protections and the pick swaps and the deferments on these picks are all in the favor of New Orleans. And they are like really incredible. I mean, it's David Griffin basically just said, all right, here's the deal. I want this, this, and this. And like, like, we're like, okay, we'll do that. He's like, no, but I want this too. All right. 
Uh, oh, but I want this too. Okay. Yeah. Oh, but also I want this. And they did. It's like the Lakers just kept saying yes. Like, okay. But do you know why? Because Rob Palinka won't be there because he's a bum. Yeah. He won't be their GM anymore. He'll be gone. So he doesn't give a damn what happens when he's gone. But man, I mean, look, and if, again, if you're the Lakers and you have LeBron, who's 33 or 34. He's 34. Yeah. Who's turning 35 this season. Yeah. But is still great. You've got to trade for Anthony Davis. I, it's the right move. It is. But my God, I mean, the Pelicans, for, the Pelicans future is going to be incredible. I mean, the Pelicans it are really set is. up with a lot of flexibility when it comes to young players at potential assets or potential players that they can keep and build around. And then these picks, which they can either dra- use to draft or if they're really close and they want to take one of those picks and trade it, they can and they won't cripple their team because they have so many of these picks. I would almost rival this to the compensation that that Brooklyn gave up to Boston, which was a very bad trade, but so many unprotected first-round picks, solid players, players you thought were going to be really good. So, I mean, this has – obviously, if you're the Lakers, you're going to do the Anthony Davis trade. You're going to do that 100 times out of 100 because putting AD and LeBron on the same team is going to be quite interesting. But at the same time, now, if you're the Pelicans, you're like, all right, we have – all of those Lakers guys, plus we know we're getting Zion Williamson, and we still have Drew Holiday, who's a really good veteran and also a very good player still. So it's, that team is still set, that team is still set up to even compete as early as next year, depending on how the players progress. I don't think it'll be next year. I, I would say more 2021. 20, I mean, if you're just looking at Lonzo, pick four, Ingram, Holiday, and Zion for next year, I mean, that's... It could be a playoff team. Yeah. If they like realistically, if Zion is as advertised, Drew Holiday, like you said, still really good. They could trade the number four pick for a good player now. Yeah. I mean, kind of limited options there. Yeah. But they could still do it if they wanted to. The point is, they're going to be good now and their future is incredible because oftentimes when you get a player like Zion, you're trading a lot for a guy like the Lakers just did, where you're drafting him number one and you have limited assets. They have. The number one pick, young talent already around him, and massive assets. And the, to have all of that is very rare. And they have David Griffin running the show, which is, I mean, if you had to entrust anyone to do all this properly, he's your guy. I mean, he's proven to be able to build championship teams. He's been proven to rebuild teams. I mean, he was in Phoenix when they did a lot of that stuff and helped to revitalize a lot of their careers. That's where he started. And then he came to the Cavs and did a championship team and built that team up and got us a title. And now he's going with the Pelicans. He's going to have a team where he has plenty of time to operate. He's fully in control because the owner's not going to mess with him. And he's going to have all these assets to do really anything he wants. Like anytime, if a superstar becomes unhappy, he has the assets now to make a trade if he really wants to. I don't think he will because that doesn't seem like what he's going to do. But they have Zion Williamson. They still have Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday's not old. He's like, what, 28, 29? He's still like in near the end of his prime, but still a very good two-way guard. You have Lonzo Ball, who is a really good defender and playmaker at the worst. Brandon Ingram is a good scorer with the ball in his hands. And then you have all these picks, which, like you said, are going to be massive, massive need helps and yeah. will help them shape their team for the next five to, ten, five to ten years. And now the Lakers have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And Kyle Kuzma. And Kyle Kuzma. And still some money that they could add. Potentially a max with potentially not. It's complicated. Yeah. We'll talk about the Lakers more in a future podcast. Our next podcast will be kind of a draft recap and free agency preview. And I think we'll address more of what the Lakers options are then 
especially once we know how much cap space they're actually going to have. Because yeah. right now it's kind of inconclusive as to when the trade will be completed. And depending on when it gets completed, it could affect the Lakers' cap space. It's complicated. And also Anthony Davis has a trade kicker in his contract, right. so that'll take a little bit more of the cap as well as opposed to his real cap number. So right. it'll be a little bit different. But, I mean, they have a lot of options with that number four pick. They could take a player to build with the rest of that core. They could trade it for a potential another good player to bring them. I've heard some talks just from today, according to the athletic and other sites that, that there could be a monitoring of Bradley Beal because of that situation. I don't think it'll actually happen. I think a lot of teams are going to monitor Bradley Beal. Yeah. But I mean, but they do have at, that's the point is you're trying to make is they can, any, any time a top talent becomes available, New Orleans can say, we've got the assets and, and they can be patient with all their young talent. Yeah. They can draft a guy number four, or they can already start making moves now. Yeah, they don't have a clock right now. Yeah, their clock is it's for the next like year or two. Is yeah. like let Zion develop with this core. I honestly, I think year one's going to be let this core see what's going to happen. Have Drew Holiday carry them and be their leader, but also let Zion get some playmaking and see what you have in Ingram. Is he going to be that dominant offensive player? And see if Lonzo can develop a three point shot, and see if Josh Hart can continue to be a valuable you know the bench. They could use some floor spacing, and they could use like an, a, a stretch four. You know, I. We've got a perfectly, you know, well-used Kevin Love that I give you for Brandon Ingram. Yeah, what what happens with number four is going to be fascinating because there, it's it's a three-player draft in a lot of people's mind, like we said, and a lot of the talent behind that is kind of a clump. And I think who goes number four means that the Pelicans or another team had a guy that they thought was far and above the rest of that kind of clump. And yeah. I think that's going to be fascinating to see whether any team. You know, once it enough, they'll trade a big time asset to the Pelicans. Or if the Pelicans take it, I mean, you're looking at who's going to play with Zion and the rest of this core. And I, I think it, that's also equally fascinating. So I think number four is kind of the swing of this draft where there's rumors about teams like Atlanta trading up or even Chicago. There's rumors of the Pelicans trying to trade the pick for a player or just trying to trade down. Yeah. And I think. This pick, number four, if it gets traded again or gets a draft pick by the Pelicans, it really swings the entire draft. And it makes it even more fascinating for us because we're we're a Cavs podcast and the Cavs pick fifth. And so, you know, maybe if someone goes four to the Pelicans, another team really wanted a guy at four, but it's not the same guy, the Cavs become a trade option. Or maybe if the Pelicans trade that pick entirely and some other team, you know, picks number four, then a guy the Cavs want at number four could slip to five or whatever. You know what I mean? It's just it's a, right. it's a fascinating kind of mid-lottery this year, I think. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely – it starts with Zion going to the Pelicans. Then you most likely have John Morant going to Memphis. And then third, you probably have R.J. Barrett going to the Knicks. And that's – it's not set in stone, but those things are most likely going to happen. Yeah. So or some team four and five up. is where the intrigue yeah. starts. Yeah, and for the Cavs – most of most likely you're not going to you're not going to get one of those top 3 unless one of them drops to 4 in which that case maybe you trade up with the Pelicans or maybe or more likely than not the Pelicans would probably just take that player especially if it was like RJ Barrett or John right. Durant I think they would I think no matter who dropped there they'd be like okay this player at 4 we can take him and pair him with our young core they don't care. Right. David Griffin doesn't care about fit right now he's talking about need it's Well and just David Griffin like Jarrett Culver or you know or uh, Garland RJ Hunter or yeah yeah, we'll I don't see. Know. That's the thing. But I mean, if you're the Cavs, that's gonna be the Cavs have to pick from the Cavs. What are the trade? The, the Cavs can pick the best player available, or they can trade. And if they trade, what are your realistic Cavs up? 
you know, trading options for the Cavs. The Cavs are not in a position to trade this for a good player now. That no, they're accomplishes so nothing. far behind. They're, yeah, so I think the Cavs' only options here, if they trade down, would be to trade for additional draft capital. And that's where the Hawks could come in. Atlanta has 8, 10, and 17. I I don't think – I think 8 and 10, the Cavs would easily do that. But I think 8 and 17 is probably not enough for the Cavs. And maybe I'm off on that value. That's just what I, my opinion. But I think there's a natural trade that could be made there because the Cavs need – as much young talent as possible. And the Hawks are more towards the end of their rebuild where they already have some high end talent and they're just trying to kind of complete their roster. And with that, so yeah. I, I, I would trade down if I was the Cavs. Why not? Especially if you don't love anyone who's there at five, but you know, we'll see. Maybe the Cavs do love a guy at five. Yeah. I maybe you trade and get eight and 17 and you could get, you know, a good player and pick eight. And then maybe it, 17 you could trade up and maybe take a risk on a player like if you want to get get a player you know is going to be good for you now or at least one that at least will be consistent one that you know is not going to bust and then maybe take a swing like you said in the past and maybe like bowl bowl the center from oregon manute bowl's son who has incredible athletic upside and good gifts but has had a lot of injury history and has had some attitude questions but maybe that could be a time where you take a risk on a player near the and trading up near the end of the lottery to secure well yeah like that. and in theory if there's so many guys in that, you know, four to whatever, four to 20, four to 15 range that are similarly ranked by most teams, then trading down from five to get to those, you know, it makes a lot of sense, you know. But again, it all depends on the evaluation of players because just because the consensus is that it's a lot of similar talent in that range, it doesn't mean the Cavs don't really love one or two guys more than the rest or that another team will really love one or two guys more than the rest and not value the depth as much. It just each team is going to have their own evaluation of things, obviously. Yeah, and it's just going to be really fascinating to see, you know, kind of how teams value this draft and the players in this draft because four and five are both, you know, high potential for trades. And even Phoenix was six because they're looking for a point guard. Yeah, and they're kind of getting tired of losing all these games with Devin Booker. They want to start winning now, so maybe there's an option for a point guard to go to Phoenix. I mean, I, right? It's just. It's a fascinating kind of range of the draft, and I'm I'm really interested to see a what happens around the NBA and b what the Cavs do. Yeah, I mean it's going to be interesting on Thursday nights. We got about three days for the Cavs if they're going to make yep. calls and have ideas and figure things out. They need they don't have much time now with the draft coming up, and I hope honestly I hope they keep the pick and they take R.J. Hunter because I really like him. I wouldn't be surprised if they stay, keep the pick and take Jarrett Culver. Yeah, but I also wouldn't m- mind a trade back because like. Like I said, I think you could get one one player that I feel like you could be a good contributor on your team for mm-hmm. a long period of time, and then maybe take a swing on another guy in the first round. Yep. To give that to get both sides of that to be like, okay, we want to get a guy that if he hits could be a massive, massive player for us, and then get another guy that we know is going to be either at worst a valuable trade asset, or at best someone that's going to be good on our team going forward. Yep. And I don't I don't love personally anyone at five enough to be upset if they trade down. Yeah, I, would I would just agree. want to be for fair value. But if there's one thing that Kobe Altman has shown is his in his you know kind of limited time as a GM, it it's that he does properly value things. I mean, the trades he's made have made sense from a financial and a draft pick kind of compensation right. standpoint. So no, I think he's that's his specialty yes. is knowing that stuff. The question and is, can your draft scouting. evaluators, yeah, the scouting, can yeah. your scouts do the right thing? And there's no David. There's no Dan Gilbert right now because of his stroke and how he's been – he's not participating. Take so. your time feeling better, Dan. Take your time, buddy. You stay, stay in the hospital keep, for the draft. Keep spending keep spending the checks though. Yeah. But uh, – Yeah, if you got any extra checks, feel free to send them yeah. my way, Dan. I know you got it. 
but uh, he's not going to be involved in the draft making process. So there's no excuse for the Cavs right now. Correct. If they take a player and they they've known who bad. was going to be available for a long time. And they are the ones really controlling it without as much influence from Dan Gilbert. The Cavs have known this whole year they're going to have a top five pick. Yeah. They've known this whole year, pretty much, you know, nearing the end of the year, like who was going to be the top, big top three. And they they would have had to know how they valued those top three. And also and beyond that, other guys. And they, beyond that, they had to know who they thought was the next tier of players. Yeah. And if you're if the Cavs want to become good and Kobe Altman wants to keep his job, yeah. the Cavs – if they stay at five or if they trade down, they got to start getting this draft right because Colin Sexton is a fine NBA player. He's a nice player. And again, number eight, you're not expecting a star. Right. But, you know, we'll see. Yeah. From a, dra- from a draft and player evaluation standpoint, we have not been able to see, you know, what Kobe Altman and the rest of this front office can do yet, really. Yeah. That, and he might even be able to show more of his skill set if, yeah. the, if they do the right thing this offseason and they make the necessary moves, whether it's for them that's – picking someone at five or trading down and getting other young players that can fit skill sets around them. If they're really going to give the Colin Sexton thing a chance, try to put players they think would fit around him best. I'm not saying you have to build specifically around him, but you're going for best player available first. But if something is a perfect fit, then it is what it is. I'm not saying you should take the worst player. That's, but I think if you're going to have guys and you really want to give the Colin Sexton thing a try, I'm not saying you should, you better have players that are going to play well and are players that will help heighten him. So not, I'm not well, saying you have to get players that are specifically going to go for him, but get good players that are going to play solid defensively. Well, and, and there's other things. and there's no one at number five who's going to, you know, take Colin Sexton's playing time. No, and I'm not. Even and that's, that's the Sexton, thing with the Cavs is like yeah. right now, Colin Sexton is their number one kind of priority or or you could say value on their roster right now. Oh, let's say number one. Or I think that's the right option because no, no. So that's Kevin Love still. Yeah. But it's, it's just fascinating, you know. We'll see if the Cavs have you know, what it takes to kind of, you know, make this rebuild happen. But they've also got a pick in the 20s. So, you know, we'll see. Yeah. The Cavs have options with trading and they have really fascinating options in the draft as well. It'll and be so, interesting to see other teams. this Thursday. Um, yeah, so I'll actually be in Canada at that time watching the draft, which is actually pretty great. I mean, I'm going to Canada like three days after their parade. So I'm hoping that they're all still drunk by, by yeah, the time I get there. We're recording on the day of the parade. The parade yeah. just, we were recording on, a, on Monday. And a nice parade. It's not like it's not the Cavs parade, but good job. Yeah, it, it'll do. It'll do. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So we'll be back at some time, probably next week, to discuss kind of the recap of the draft. We'll see if any more major trades happen, and kind of do a little free agency preview because you know the draft is not far ahead of free agency, and yeah. the next two weeks in the NBA is going to be a lot of player movement, and it's going to be pretty fascinating. Absolutely. One more thing for uh, Red and Blue listeners that are also Tree City Sports Podcast listeners. Expect an episode soon. We had some technical difficulties, but we will be getting out technical difficulties. We will be getting out new information soon. We're talking about transfers, talking about the talking about the uh, Champions League final and how the Champions League is going to be next year. So stay out soon for that. But first of all, thank you for listening to the Tree City Sports Podcast. Always appreciate everybody listening. Give us ratings and reviews wherever you listen. And, uh, you know, stay with us. We'll be back next week. Thank you. Peace.